Everybody, whether you're the president of a company or the paperboy, everybody has the exact same amount of time. You and I both have 24 hours a day. No more, no less. The question is, what do you do with your time? Welcome to ZBook's Successful Authors Podcast. And I'm so stoked today because I have a real renaissance man. But he's not a real <laughs> renaissance man. He's been around a lot. And he's actually a historical fiction man. And he swam around Manhattan. So without further ado, help me welcome Harold Johnson. Har- Hi, Harold. How are you doing? Hello, Eric. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. <laughs> Not bad. Um, if, if we're um, talking in German accents, it's because we both speak German. So <laughs> don't be surprised. <laughs> Where are you right now? I'm in Virginia. I'm in central Virginia ah. and uh, in the U.S. And I'm deep in the woods. I like the woods. Yeah. And I write a lot about the woods. And it's, so it's appropriate that I'm in them so I can just walk outside and there they are. Awesome. I love the woods, too. My, my grandma was German, and she was always taking us to the desert. So we grew up in, in California, and Germans just fascinated with the desert. And we were always saying, Grandma, we don't want to go to the desert. We like the trees, man. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, let's jump right into it. You've got a launch coming up. Your book is called, what was it? It's New York 1609 is the main yeah. title. Okay. And depending on depending on which edition, it's either the in in Kindle, it's the omnibus edition. In paperback, uh-huh. it's just a novel, and there are reasons mm-hmm. for that. We can, we can I read the that. first one um, in the series, and I never knew I liked historical fiction till I read your book. It was very good. Thank you very much, by the way. Great. Well, that's, that's fantastic to hear that. Thank yeah. you for the, com- for the compliment. Oh, I was really impressed, especially with your maps. It was a really good idea and the cover and the, yeah. well, everything, the, 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 the writing. So, um, so okay, but, but first we got we to gotta solve something. Did you swim around Manhattan to inspire yourself for the novel or was it uh, something else? That partially yes, that's true. But it even ah. goes further than it even goes further than it. I have a, I have a unique connection to my subject matter, which is New York City, and as most people know, and if they don't, Manhattan is just one part of New York City. It's one of the five boroughs, mm-hmm. but it, it is where New York started. New York City started uh-huh. at the lower wow. tip of Manhattan. And mm-hmm. in 1983, I swam around Manhattan, the whole island. Um, <laughs> and in a ra- in a race, it was a swimming race. They were promoting clean water or something like this, and they said, well, uh-huh. "Let's put some swimmers. Let's put some swimmers in there." And uh, I won the race. I was awesome! First place in the race, and mm-hmm. and I got sick <laughs> from, oh. the, from the swim. Lovely. <laughs> so it was sort of it was sort of a mixed a mixed blessing, you know. Do but they have anyway, the race? Oh, the- sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Wh- while I was swimming, and I was, we went counterclockwise, and I was stuck down at the Battery, which is the lower tip of Manhattan. I was coming down the Hudson, just like in that, uh, you know, the airplane Sully, the airplane that landed on the Hudson. Oh yeah, Airbus. Well, I, 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 yeah. I swam, you know, right there, right down through <laughs> down the Hudson. And Crazy. You, you go around the. 
the bottom, but then they they misjudged the tides. Oh, and I was dangerous facing an ebbing tide going out the East River, and I couldn't I couldn't uh, I couldn't beat it. I mean, so they said you have to wait. And so uh -huh. as I was waiting, and I was leading the race, and all the people were catching up to me, but I was I was just sitting there treading water, and I just looked up, and there are all these huge buildings aye, aye, aye. downtown down downtown downtown Manhattan, and I and I started thinking to myself, I said, "Wow, this place is so amazing." But I wonder what it was like, you know, earlier. Yeah. And that was part of my inspiration uh, of thinking about writing his. But it took me many years before that actually mm -hmm. gelled before I put it all together. Yeah, that's interesting. There's a book and a lot of people, and it takes a long time for some people to get it out. But um, getting back to the swimming, um, is that is that still a race every year, or was that a one of a kind event? No, they did it annually every year, but I mm -hmm. think they just finished doing it because they had some, mm -hmm. I don't know, financial problems or logistical mm -hmm. problems. Or, uh, I'm not sure exactly, <laughs> but I am, I am an official winner of that race. Awesome. And the, the, uh, the other reason that I'm writing about this subject in this historical fiction, this is my first historical fiction. I've done other books in, in other other categories and nonfiction, and we can talk mm -hmm. about that. But Okay. I, immig I immigrated to this country, to the United States, mm -hmm. in 1953 as a child. Yeah. And we came into New York Harbor on the ship, um, mm -hmm. and we came out from Germany, out of Bremerhaven, mm -hmm. which is the <laughs> port you know, where you leave from. Yeah, that's interesting. We, that's where my dad came from, Bremerhaven. Well, there you go. And we <laughs> followed... We came uh, into New York Harbor and up to Manhattan, and mm -hmm. it turns out <clears throat> we followed the exact same route that Henry Hudson followed in 1609. Wow. I mean, exactly. And cool. then 30 years after uh, we immigrated to, to the country, mm -hmm. I swam around the island and swam over the exact same spot again. <laughs> so there's this connection, and again, yeah. it covers four, 400 years. Did it feel uh, different? What in 1609? No, uh, did you get <laughs> tingling, tingling in the fingers or your fins or whatever? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, in nice. fact, I stopped as I was looking at the buildings, and then I looked over at the Statue of Liberty. And my mother said, mm -hmm. she'd said, make sure you look at the Statue of Liberty because I remember when we, you know, mm -hmm. we were stopped there and blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. And so all of that is part of my story of why I'm attacking this subject mm -hmm. matter with nice. from, from I think a pretty unique mm -hmm. perspective. Yeah, and it, it turns out, and in, in, in my research, because this is a four-year project that I've been working on with this book. Okay, um, and I can we can we can go into the details of that. Oh yeah, but it turns out that I am the first author hmm. in two hundred years to write a story about the beginning of New York City from hmm. its earliest beginning. Wow, in sixteen when Henry Hudson, the first one. There have been other stories. Hmm. Um, huh. multi-generational sagas by people like Eric Rutherford and other yeah. people that, that cover hundreds of years, but they don't go back to the beginning. Eric Rutherford, for example, Ed, uh, Edward Rutherford, he starts mm -hmm. in 1664 when the Dutch did the handover to the British. Ah. But that's I'm, I'm, I'm finished long before right. then in my story. Yeah. I go back to the beginning. I think it's fascinating. I mean, I think everybody uh, has that question in the back of their mind, you know, how was it so many years ago? Who were my relatives? You know, how, how was life? And uh, um, that's interesting that you that nobody wrote a book yet. Um, I've had the same experience where I thought 
you know, I got into children's books and I couldn't believe it that nobody wrote an Air Force book for kids or a Navy SEALs for kids or all, all that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so you, well, you said you wrote other books too. Um, are they, what are the other categories or, or are they, mm, are they more profitable or more nonfiction or what are they? Well, the, the, my main book, the one that I'm, I'm sort of most well known for is, mm. is nonfiction. And it's, mm. it's the, the Bible, a uh, uh, reference book on the subject of digital printing, ah. uh, specifically for, for artists and photographers, especially in photography, the whole mm. inkjet printing, you know, uh, oh, yeah. uh, all, that, all, all that kind of stuff. I was the first one to write a book about mm. all of that. I mean, everything about mm. pixels and about ink drops yeah. and about everything. And wow. then I had, I had a major publisher, the world's largest at the time, which was mm -hmm. Thompson. Uh -huh. And I saw, and that did very well. I was oh. a best-selling best author in that nice. category. Uh, so, I, didn't um, want, I didn't want to do that anymore. You know, yeah. I did that, and it yeah. was great. And uh, other things happened in the intervening years. That was 12 years ago, something okay. like that. And, and um, that was your and bread and I, butter for a while. Yeah. And then uh -huh. I did a lot of consulting and a lot of other uh -huh. things. But then I thought, you know, I really want to, I really want to write fiction. And I yeah. really decided I want to do historical fiction because I've yeah. always loved going to important places and standing there and closing my eyes and thinking, what was it like? What yeah. was it like 400 years ago, 300 yeah. years ago, 200 years ago? I've always done that. I did that with Jamestown uh -huh. in Virginia. I did that in North Carolina where the Wright brothers flew across the sand dunes. I, I ran along the sand dunes where they flew. And and I could I could just see it I could just see them doing it I could see oh, wow. and I was running running along with them I can I picture you doing thing. that Is it roped off or can you just go there and No no you can just you just go there It's cool. in the outer it's in the outer banks of North yeah. Carolina and they have a whole you know they have a whole museum mm -hmm. they have a whole thing set up but you can see the track where they went and you can see how far they went on the first attempt and the second attempt and Awesome and I love love to do that. I went to the, the birthplace and the home of um, Mr. Nieps in France, and he's the father of photography. He oh. is the world's, he is the first photographer uh, ah, in 18, yeah, okay. 1826. And I went to where he took the world's first photo. It's the oldest photograph ah. in existence. And I looked out the window where he took the photo. And I just uh -huh. thought, and I just closed my eyes and I, I could just see myself there. Yeah doing what he did crazy and so huh? this is just another version of that and, uh -huh. and, and putting myself in in a location and mm -hmm. feeling feeling what it's like feeling the air on my skin you know breathing yeah. in smell smelling the briny salt water all of that that's awesome i i'm thinking of of actually writing some too now so uh <laughs> so <laughs> What are the yeah? Well, I I've got I've got one in the in the works, and I just don't know if I want because I started this science fiction series, and it could easily be one of those time not a time traveling thing, but um, where the guy goes and and does something in a different time. But um, uh, sure, so that's 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 a big subgenre. You know, there's there's the split timeline thing. Stephen King did the really great one about. Uh, about Kennedy and the assassination where he's in the present and then he goes back to the past and he uh -huh. sees it all happen happening. What was the uh, name of that book? That was called 1963 with the numbers. I think it's just nine, just the numbers okay. 1963. I'm you writing know, look, yeah, that down. It it's a nice Stephen big, King. huge, fat Stephen King, fat book. 
Um, cool. And it's that's I call those split timelines where you're in the present. Uh -huh. you know, I mean, Michael Michael Crichton did the same thing with timeline. Oh yeah, you I've know, heard of him. Yeah, they're here and then they go back to the to the to the yeah. medieval times and then they come back and they go See, back. And this is the thing. That's one of the things I don't like. I don't like when uh, movies or authors use time travel as a, a crooks to get out of a plot or into a plot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I yeah. don't, but what are your rules when you're writing historical fiction? Well, my main rule is is I follow Ken Follett. The, okay, uh, the yeah. Oh, yeah, famous, very famous, famous author. Famous yeah. Author. Interestingly, he has two different genres. He writes in, um, in thriller, political thriller, mm -hmm. Eye of the Needle, you know, all that kind of stuff. But he also writes historical fiction. He wrote uh, Pillars of the Earth, for example. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. And, and he's written now more recently the Century Trilogy and, you know, mm -hmm. other, other other things like that. And, and his guideline, which is my guideline, mm -hmm. which is things either did happen mm -hmm. or they could have happened. They could have reasonably happened. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and, and in my case, it's the same thing. There's history about the beginning of New York City. And I have that history and I follow that history, but then there are big gaps in the history. And yep. we don't know what happened between this year and that year, or, you know, or, or, or characters, you know, there, yeah. there are known historical figures and characters and you, you know, you have to deal with that, but then you can invent new characters that didn't exist that interact with those characters. Mm -hmm. so, so that's what I'm doing. So how do you go about writing your novel then? You just fill in the gaps there or do you have a process? Uh, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. first of all, I read a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. I've read, you know, a, a, everything there is about yeah. uh, this subject, just about in fiction and nonfiction, both. It's important to read both, I think. Mm -hmm. And then I come up with a concept, which ultimately leads to a premise. Um, mm -hmm. and, and those are just short little, you know, little blurbs that sort of get you on track. Like, well, what's this about? I mean, you really have to know what it's about. Yeah, uh, and and then I go into an outline, and I'm an outliner. I know there are two different yeah. types of writers. There are yeah. pantsers, which is yeah. writing by the seat of, seat of your pants, and there are outliners. Mm. I strongly believe in outlining, <laughs> which does not preclude pantsing, because when you're writing an outline, you're pantsing. I mean, you're yeah. inventing yeah. what's going to happen. You know, like well, you know, what happens here, and then what happens, and then you know, at the at the midpoint, you know, you know, how yeah. should I do the midpoint and what about the third plot point and all that kind of stuff and you have to yeah. create those things and so right. you're inventing those things but once i have that outline kind of fleshed out i basically do a scene by scene summary mm -hmm. of the whole thing uh -huh. uh, but a lot of it is, is still is, there are question marks like well mm -hmm. am i really going to do that and then i make changes mm -hmm. well you know that doesn't work well, let's try mm -hmm. something else and then i just you know come uh -huh. up with a new idea do you have any um, formulas, you know, like the hero's journey or some people start with the end, the, the end scene, the final scene, and then work their way back? Yeah, I, 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 I'm well aware of the hero's journey. And, I, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I, in my case, for this particular, for this particular novel, I wrote bits of the beginning just to get a, just to get a feel for, hey, how is it sounding? Does, it, does this mm -hmm. make sense? Is it, is it, is it, is it flowing right? And then I would pick other spots in in the story and then just try those out, like practice practice scenes, yeah, and just get a feel. And I got and I got feedback from people, mm -hmm. people who are editors and, and other people I know. And I said, well, what do you think? How does this does this is it interesting to you? Does it mm -hmm. read right? And mm -hmm. and I took that feedback in, and yeah. and and 
made my made my changes. But then I mm -hmm. then I just basically started to fill in the scene summary, the scene mm -hmm. outline. Okay. And just write to the scene. It's all about scenes. A lot of people right. talk about chapters. They right. they say, well, how how long should a chapter be? And blah blah blah. Yeah. Don't worry about chapters. Don't mean anything. It's a, it's mm -hmm. scenes. Yeah. And scenes. That's a, novels are made up of scenes. Yeah. And so you really, in my opinion, you write scenes and you mm -hmm. go from scene to scene to scene yeah. to scene. I think Stephen Pressfield called it beats, you know, uh, yeah. there's a super good podcast interview between James Altucher and Stephen Pressfield. And, uh, and he talks about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's so funny because, um, uh, I was just wondering about my chapters too. I, I just finished uh, one of my first science fiction books. And uh, so you answered my question. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So to be clear though, now you're self-publishing before you were, uh, uh, you were published. Correct. I, okay. yeah, I was traditionally published with the yeah. world's largest publisher. Awesome. Um, and selling a, a lot of books, but that mm -hmm. was nonfiction. Mm -hmm. And I had an agent. I've I've hired and fired multiple agents. Wow. I've had editors, publishers, all that. I I, I threw all that out the window. Mm -hmm. uh, when all of this new yeah. independent publishing phenomenon occurred, mm -hmm. which didn't of course didn't even exist a few years ago, but now yeah. it does. And I said, you know, I'm going to do it that way. I don't want to mess around, mm -hmm. send stuff out to you know people. I may not hear back from them for you know six months or. Well, I just <laughs> want to do it. I want to just get going right now. Yeah. And I thought yeah. to myself, because I'm also a designer and art director, I said, I can do all of this stuff. Awesome. I, can design I can design covers. I, I can format eBooks. Yeah. Uh, I can create promotional material. I can do blurbs and I can write. Sounds can like you should all. start only... a company. <laughs> One of them <laughs> well, publishing I companies. It. I want to do it just for myself. Yeah. I mean, people ask my advice and I'm willing just, yeah. to give it, just to give it to people, just to help them. But Have you ever thought of... This yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Now, this is the way. I mean, this yeah. is the way, in my opinion, for yeah. so many people. It's not, it's not for everybody because it's, it is a lot of work. And if you can't, if you don't have the skills mm -hmm. to do every single thing, well, then you have to find somebody to help you do that. And that's yeah. just the way it goes. And in my case, the only thing I couldn't do myself was solid editing. I mean, I can self-edit. I was a magazine editor for 10 years, but ah. I, I knew I knew that I can't you really shouldn't be editing yourself. You really mm. should get somebody else to do that. Yeah, so I jumped pair of eyes. To, yeah. to, to other editors, different level, you know, they're yeah. developmental yeah. editors, line editors, um, yeah. you know, substantive editors, you know, different, different types of people. Did you ever think of um, uh, leaning on your old publishing company for help for your self-published novels? You know, I, I, I went to them and they just didn't seem interested. They they sort of evolved. They moved. They moved more into text. I mean, they were like a big textbook company in the schools, and they just had a whole different way of thinking about things. And yeah. so they didn't respond. And so I said, okay, that's it. Forget it. I'm just gonna yeah. I'm just gonna jump straight into all this. I you know I'm on all kinds of blogs. I'm on I'm on mm. your site. I'm on yeah. other people's sites. You know, Jane Friedman. I mean, all the top people of David Goffrin, you know, all these people. Nice. And I just f followed them, started studying it all, and then started getting in there. It's interesting because, it. yeah, awesome. Uh, that's that's what I'm all, all about, too. Just You got to get your feet wet and get going. But it's interesting because um, uh, I don't think I've heard anything positive about people that went 
with the publishing deal yet. You know, they all said like you, six <laughs> months waiting. And then, for example, people think the publishing company is going to do the marketing for them. And it's like, well, not anymore. They expect you to have a list, your own list of 10,000 people already, you know. So it's interesting. So that, that segues Absolutely. right into my next question. So how do you market your books now that you're self-published? To also be a marketing consultant. Consultant, and oh. it's just marketing is really common sense. People are so afraid of marketing. I, I mean, so yeah. many authors just hate it. They don't want yeah. to talk about it. But it, it really, marketing is getting and keeping customers. That's the yeah. def, that's my definition. It's so simple. It's yeah. just you know getting the word out there, and mm -hmm. you know spreading the word about what yeah. you do. And you, of course, there are millions of ways to do that, and you have to do it. And yes, it takes work, and you have to you know. You need to have a site. You should have an author website, obviously. Yeah. You should have. You should be building an email list, obviously. Yes, you should be on social media, but don't go. You don't need to go crazy about it. But yes, yeah. I have a Facebook page. I have a. I have a website. I have a Twitter. A Twitter feed. I mean, I have all that stuff. Yeah. And so, I just. I just do it. But 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 see, I have a marketing plan. Yeah. I have a. I have a. I, I use Google Docs a lot, and I have a yeah. whole Google tab of my marketing plan. Oh, but, tell uh, us about it. Tell us about that. That sounds juicy. Well, I'm on it right now. Here it is. <laughs> Harold's, Harold's marketing plan. Now, I'm okay. not going to tell you all, all the details, but, oh. <laughs> but I have, you know, the... I have it broken down into different groups. I have I mm -hmm. have the core audience, and my core audience is what I call livers and lovers of New York City. In other uh -huh. words, people who live there, which is 23 million people. Yeah. It's the largest city in the United States. It's you, uh, you probably don't know this. Most people don't know this. Hmm. New York City w was the first mega city in the world. Ah, and I thought it was London. By no, oh, New York. Good. Mega city means anything over 10 million, and New York mm -hmm. was first. Wow. Uh, now Tokyo is. Tokyo is like 30 plus million and New York is, you know, like wow. number, I don't know, seven or eight or something like that or 10. Not a lot yeah. of Chinese. That's lot, like lot of all of the Northern China. European countries put together. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, crazy. So I figured my core audience is people who are interested in New York City and want to know about its history. Mm -hmm. And so that's. That's a lot of people. And so I'm going prime mm -hmm. first. I'm going, that is my core audience. I'm going after them. Then mm -hmm. I'm going after, you know, people who are just interested in historical fiction in general. Maybe they don't know about New York City. But okay, so how people. are you going after them? Well, just today, right before our conversation, I was just mm -hmm. uh, listed on the uh, the New York History blog site. Ah. And this this is a blog with several thousand uh, amateur and professional historians. And then nice. and, and he, he I sent I sent he he wanted and he said I want a lease, I want to cover to uh, you know three things whatever it was and I and so I had them ready to go. I mean I've I've already pre-made all these things. Uh -huh, okay. And you know within within minutes I hmm. sent him exactly what he needed by email. Mm -hmm. And I said, here you go. I, I cool. think I did, uh, did, I did a doc, you know, a doc mm -hmm. X on that, which mm -hmm. I could easily create out of Google. I do everything yeah. on Google now. I don't, yeah, I I like don't even too. own Microsoft. I gave mm -hmm. up Word uh, in Microsoft Office. <laughs> 
office years to use the whole suite of yeah. Google Drive, which is Docs and spreadsheet yeah. and all that kind of stuff. You're like me. I so um, I, yeah, I I I, I X them out of my life as much as I could after um, so many <laughs> things. Microsoft was controlling me from Redmond or wherever it is, and they uh -huh. they blanked out my screen. I got so many horror stories. So I'm a Linux geek and a Chromebook. And we're back with Harold, uh, the not Renaissance man, the, the, the historical fiction expert. And, uh, you know, I've been talking to him and it begs the question, Harold, what have you not done? You were a marketing consultant and um, what have you not done? <laughs> <laughs> Many things have I not done, um, but, you know, several things that I have done and they've all sort of come into play. Nice. Uh, like I said, I, I was a magazine editor. I was a magazine publisher. I was a magazine art director. So I have that sort of um, artistic art direction designing side, which really helps me because I can design my covers as good as any cover you see out there. I, I can attest to that. I saw your covers and... Um... Yeah, you should. Yeah, I guess it'll be showing, you know, and people will see it. I mean, it's, it's, um, well, I can tell you a little bit about the cover. Um, it's, it's, it's very simple. It's very stark. It has a lot of what, what's called brightness contrast, and it mm -hmm. works in thumbnail. That is the key yeah. to anybody listening to this. You have to get a cover that works in teeny, 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 tiny size. Yeah. And I made sure when I looked at this, I was looking at 100 pixels tall, 50 pixels tall. I mean, mm -hmm. if you go down to the bottom of, you know, any Amazon page, they have down at the bottom, they have these little tiny, tiny yep. ones that are down yep. there. And you, you got to be able to read that cover in that size. And so mm -hmm. my, I think mine does. And the image, I licensed that image. Oh, I found that image, which is a reconstruction of what New York City, what Manhattan looked like as Henry Hudson is sailing toward it on September 12th at 2 p.m., 1609 mm -hmm. that is what it looked like and it is photorealistic it is gorgeous i saw it and I that's thought. okay so that's something that you cannot do you did not do the 3d imaging because i saw your cover and it's really good and i was wondering where did you get that photo right i did not i did not paint that uh that, All right. that's done uh with very sophisticated computer gis mapping and yeah. you know all kinds of tricky stuff that uh, it no looks really good i was i i knew that i said that is either the best computer uh 3d imaging stuff available or or harold's i don't know where he got it <laughs> yeah. yeah that's where i got it i found yeah. i found it and i made a deal i said look yeah. i'm I'm doing this book, and um, I'm a self-publisher, and I, you know, I, I made a good deal for it, and yeah. I'm using it, and I made sure, mm -hmm. and this is very important for for other people, mm -hmm. make sure you have the rights to do not just to use it in the book, but to mm -hmm. use it in books and yeah. marketing and promotion. Yeah. You have to have the right to do that, and you need that in writing. You need yeah. to have you need to make just a quick little deal. And then you know you pay some money, oh. and then you have the and you have the person send it back, and then you have it the right to do that. And that's you know what that's I'm doing. A, that's a good point because I talked, um, you, you know, that online graphic tool Canva, and yeah. when it was launching, I talked to the CEO. I chatted with him in forums, okay, and and I asked him, you know, because um, I made several book covers, and they were only one dollar for the graphics, and I said, are those licensed for Kindle and other merchandise? And he says, yeah, they're fully licensed. So, okay, that's a forum. That's not written permission, is it? No. Mm -mm. No, you and it could be just be an email. Just have an email exchange where the person 
you know, says proactively, yes, you have the rights. I mean, I used a thing where they actually signed it, and that's even better. Of course. But I put in there the conditions of use because I've done deals for photographs a lot, mm -hmm. so I, know, I have all those. I have all those things. But you can download them all, you know, from uh, online and just get a permission yeah. a permission form. Okay, I'll have to so, check so that out. But, so I know how to acquire imagery. So I acquired that image. Okay. And uh, and I used it. So um, what do you do for historical fiction to market them different than your other books? Or is there anything special well, for the marketing for this genre? Yeah, I mean, all genres have their own you know, quirks. I mean, obviously quirks in just writing. You have to write uh, for, you know, in, in the style of the genre. And, and in terms of marketing, I have to go to people who are my audience, and those are people who like historical fiction. Mm -hmm. So I have, you know, in the works coming soon because I, I, I mean, this is only a week old that I've that this 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 novel has come out. I'm still working on things, and some of those are things that haven't appeared yet. They're going to be appearing in the future. I'm going to be on a big history, uh, historical fiction blog coming up, and that's you know, historical fiction of all types of all of yeah. all time periods. And then I'm going to be, you know, talking to a lot of people uh, about New York and New York history too. Right. So I'm marketing to, to the core audience who, mm -hmm. who could be interested in what I'm writing. Okay. Let's That's, get back to your writing. And um, mm -hmm. sorry, I cut you off again, didn't I? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, no problem. Okay. So when you're developing your novel, where do you get the characters from? <laughs> well, in historical fiction, the yeah. way that I do it, and there are all kinds of, hist you know, there's speculative, alternative, you know, where, where mm -hmm. for exactly. example, the alter in the al alternative history, you take a point of what's called a point of divergence. Mm -hmm. The obvious example is, you know, what if Hitler had won World War II? Right. Well, that, that novel's been written. It was written by Philip, Philip Dick, and it's called yeah. Man in the High Castle. Yeah, and, and Amazon's so you, making a movie or a series out of it. Yeah, I've seen yeah. it. Uh, in yeah. fact, I'm I'm now on season two, I think, on that. Ah, and but the book so isn't that you, long. <laughs> <laughs> no, the book isn't that long. So they have. I read it. Can, they, yeah. Then yeah, then you invent more things. I mean, mm -hmm. you work with what you know or what's what's uh, what's known, mm -hmm. and then you just take off. You take off from there, and you can yeah. Add so, you can add things, yeah. you can add details, as long as you don't mess around and just change what's known, as long as you don't yeah. change the facts, then you're okay. But you can't really mix fictional characters with non people that actually existed, right? Because I had this problem where I had this real character that exists, and then uh, I got in this conundrum where the fictional character was doing this, and but the real character... Uh, well, I couldn't write for him. You know what I mean? Uh, there was just a conflict between a fictional and and a, and a real character that's in the history books. Have you ever had that? <laughs> well, I, I see my my everybody's situation is unique. I'm dealing with a time period that is uh oh over, more than four hundred years ago. Literally, yeah. because half my book is from the point of view. I have multiple points of view. It's third person point of view. My book right. is from Native American points of view. Mm -hmm. Well, there is no record of those people, and I know where they are, and I've talked to their descent, their descendants. But mm -hmm. their descendants are, you know, many, many, many generations in the past. So there's no what 
these yeah. who these people were or what you know or what they said. So I have to invent that. There is no other way. Now the person that bought Manhattan Island, that's Peter uh, Peter Minwi, and it's it's pronounced Minwi, not Minwit, because he was a French-speaking Walloon, and that's how you, that's Minwi is the word for midnight in French, so that's that's how you pronounce it. And I, uh -huh. I talk all of, um, yeah. he you know he things about him, but we don't know a lot about him. We know that Manhattan was supposedly purchased in the early summer of 1626, but there is no deed. There's no bill of sale. So we just have to assume that. So I can create, and I create a whole in-depth uh, depiction mm -hmm. of the negotiations and the sale mm -hmm. of Manhattan Island from the Native mm -hmm. Americans, from the Indians, to the Europeans, who were the Dutch. Is that and true? With I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go Is ahead. that true with the beads? <laughs> See, that's the legend. Yeah. Exactly. So. This is one of the great. This is one of the great. Uh, talk about the art of the deal. This is deals of all time, supposedly. But mm -hmm. in my opinion, and, and I've researched this thing to death. Yeah. To me, it was equally beneficial to both sides. It was a draw, hmm. because and people think really. I mean, you, they sold uh, you know a piece of land that's worth trillions of dollars for some for some beads and trinkets. Well, hmm. no, not really. They sold it for. 60 Dutch guilders worth of trade goods. And those trade goods were hmm. so valuable. I mean, they sold hmm. them kettle pots, they sold them steel knives, mm -hmm. uh, hatchets, axes, things that they did not have. And mm -hmm. they really, really made an impact on the Native Americans. So hmm. to them, it was a huge technology transfer. Hmm. Interesting. So that's part of the part of the deal. And they they thought they thought, in my opinion, of course, no one knows. They thought, "Wow, we got a good deal on this <laughs> because <laughs> these people just want to live here." Yeah. You know, what's the big deal? You know, I mean, yeah. so. Huh. Interesting. What I mean, other people come and go. You know, they didn't. Live, I mean, they stayed there. They. Yeah. They, it's not. They've said, "Okay, oh, you have to leave now." I mean, they they were still there, and the Dutch thought, "Wow, we really got a deal on this thing." Yeah. So I I think personally, it was it was. Mm hmm. Hmm. It was equal. It was oh. Equal. There is no record of it. Peter Minwi, he existed. He's a real person, but we don't know everything about him. Hmm. Um, some of the other characters, I mean, Henry Hudson, all his logs were lost. They're little fragments of his loss, which I have, and I've wow. seen them, but mm -hmm. we don't know. And then hmm. he dies and, and at some <laughs> point, not, not in the story. He dies, you know, later yeah. in, in a, on another voyage, but there's things that, that we don't know and things that we do know. And so I fill in the things that we don't know. That is a, sounds like a wonderful journey. I have to read the next two of your books, uh, but um, well, boy, that well, is uh, okay. Well, let me okay. Let me let me let me jump in. And this yeah. this this is uh, you're cutting I, out. I need to clarify something here. Yeah, I wait, to can you speak a little uh, slower? The Google Hangouts is doing it to us again. So okay. um, so uh, sounds good now. So okay, go ahead. Yeah, I want to clarify that um, mm -hmm. <laughs> this 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 four-year process uh, it includes four novel novellas, not print, just because I wanted to get going. I wanted okay. to sort of see how it was going. I wanted to get some reaction. I, I was basically releasing four 
parts of a book, just like mm -hmm. Hugh Howey did with Wool, just like Charles Dickens did, just like Andy Weir did with The Martian. Yeah. These people wrote serially and published serially. So yeah. they wrote, then they published, then they wrote, they got some feedback, then they published. That's what I did. I created four short eBooks Mm -hmm. But I knew I knew that I would be pulling them all together into an omnibus, and that's what I've done now. And that, how do you now? That, yeah. So that how do you? How do you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, hangouts, man. Um, so how do you? Uh, yeah, how do you stitch them together without? Uh, yeah, pissing off your readers, saying, "Oh, you left me on a cliffhanger. Oh, well, that was the wrong point to stop and start again the next book." You know. Well, first of all, I've expanded the uh, mm -hmm. the content. I've, mm -hmm. I've added, you know, prologues, afterwards. Mm -hmm. I, I've 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 got some feedback back on one map where someone was confused, and so I fixed, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I upgraded the maps and the books. The the the, the omnibus edition is cheaper than all the other books if you add them all up. So it's actually yeah. cheaper to do it, and yeah. I'm launching it at ninety nine cents. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. Ninety nine cents. You can't really go wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and you can, and, and you can get now a paperback. You couldn't get a paperback. You can't print a hundred-page paperback. The minimum page count, I think, a hundred and thirty pages or something like that. I oh, don't know. in Create so Space, it. it's lower. You might want to try Create Space. Well, that's what I'm using for this. Oh. This one is 578 pages. Oh, well, but that's at big that enough. Time, <laughs> yeah, at, back then, and this is this is already going back a year and a half or more. Yeah, I figured I I couldn't do the I couldn't do print for the ebooks, so I just kept them as ebooks. And now here is finally the print version, which is the omnibus of everything rolled together and updated and 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 fixed up. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um. So. Why would the Native Americans build their tribe near a river? <laughs> because rivers at the time, and, and you know, this is going back centuries and centuries, were the superhighways. They were the interstate of, of any region, really. If you had a river, you wanted to be on that river because that's how you got places. Mm -hmm. And that's how you did, most importantly, that's how you did your trading. People would come yeah. down and they would, you know, in their canoes or barks or whatever they had, and then they would uh, be hauling their things to trade with, with other people. Hmm. So it, it, it's natural. And in, in Manhattan, it's the perfect location strategically. And, and people wonder, well, why Manhattan? Yeah. You know, why not Brooklyn or why not uh, Staten Island or why not the Bronx or something? And the reason is, and they they thought about this. They weren't the especially. I mean, Native Americans. I believe they were absolutely on equal footing with the Europeans. Yeah. But the Europeans themselves, they had a strategic spot, which is the tip of Manhattan, which is hmm. right in the middle of uh, two bays, two major waterways, with the Hudson being one of them, which goes into the interior of the whole country. I mean, the whole hmm. continent. You know, it's the Hudson River, yeah. and so if you can if you can place yourself at the bottom tip on a point of land where you've got rivers on all sides, you're protected mm -hmm. from the open ocean because you've got these two harbors and this thing called the Narrows, mm -hmm. which is where the Verrazano Bridge is right now. So there aren't big waves and big giant storms coming in. Where Staten Island, you you get some of that stuff, so yeah. it's protected and it's strategic. It's the perfect place.
But also, so I was thinking that uh, they could also get attacked from all directions. Yeah, but they have they have command. They have uh, okay. Yeah. They they have strategic command of the location as long as they're able to you know have mm -hmm. some kind of uh, way yeah. to fight or artillery or you know that's they call it the battery at the bottom yeah. of Manhattan yeah, well, because it was a it, it was a battery of cannons yeah and so they could just sit there and they could just you know shoot cannons at anybody coming and that's what they did they yeah but wait a minute I'm, but not the Indians right no 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 not yeah. the Indians yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. but it just well, it, it's not like there weren't Indians other places. Obviously, yeah. they were. It's just that yeah. that happens to be just like a perfect place. Yeah, yeah, I understand. That's where that's that's where a lot of my um, a lot of my action takes place is there. Mm -hmm. Not just not only there, but but uh, a lot of it is there. Okay. Well, there's a well, we can get off on a lot of tangents. Um, let's try to keep it back to your book. <laughs> uh, sure. So. Um, Okay, so you, you're you're outlining. You've got your characters, and so you mix the fictional with the actual characters, right? The non-fictional. That, that is correct. Yeah, I, I okay. But I, but, I, but I do it carefully. I mean, yeah, yeah. When when something is known, I don't go. I don't make up a uh, mm. you know make somebody like uh, mm. uh, you know. A fool, or makes somebody yeah. you know a yeah. liar. If he's not a liar, now if right. we know he's a liar, and we have historical records of him being a liar, then he's yeah. going to be a liar. And yeah. I keep him. Yeah. And I keep him that, that way. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> but, okay. But see, these people, these people are interacting with other people, and we mm. don't know who these people are. Yeah. I mean, some we do, but but a lot of people they don't. I mean, they meet people every day, and so I invent those people that mm -hmm. they meet every day, and try to stay true to the to the real character, the historical character that we know mm -hmm. something about and then they interplay and they you know they they bounce off of the fictional characters that mm -hmm. they're having interactions with do you think if we were to go back in a time machine and actually see these people that that we would be disappointed because the myth is always bigger than the truth well, <laughs> i mean we'd be disappointed in the fact that there's 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 no air condition of things like that <laughs> in terms of in, yeah. ter in terms of uh, human beings and and yeah. the way they are and this is and this is one of my themes one of my main themes is that under our skin we're all the same and i really mm -hmm. believe this mm -hmm. there are no you know yeah. oh they're just quote savages and they use yeah. the word savages they said yeah. the word and so therefore i say the word but i try to be careful mm. with that because yeah it's it's a it's a loaded word you know and i know that yeah it is fact, now maybe not I, back then though huh no well it, it still was and in fact uh, my characters talk about it the the native americans actually ask the europeans why do you call us savages hmm. and then there's a whole there's a whole thing about that that i go i, I go into yeah but i believe that that all we're all human beings we yeah. all love we all hate we have ambition hmm. we have fears it's exactly the same whether you're a uh, you know a Lenape tribe mm -hmm. member in you know in this area in the middle of the country or whether you're someone mm -hmm. coming from Amsterdam which was the most sophisticated place in the world at that time yeah. that was the, yeah. that was the Dutch the Dutch yeah. controlled the world trade that yeah. was that was the pinnacle of your of Western civilization was yeah. Amsterdam and what was it called the East Amsterdam. Indies Company or something it was first the East India Company, East huh. India Company, and yeah. that was Hudson was hired by the East India Company. Hudson was mm. English, 
mm-hmm. his crew was a mix. It was Anglo, uh, English, and Dutch mix. Mm-hmm. But when they when they came back later in 1626 and started settling, that was the West India Company. It had changed mm. from East India Company to the yeah West India Company. But but it's still all out of Amsterdam. And they called it New York was first called New Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. So why? Um, uh, this is a big history lesson. So uh, I'll, I'm going to stick with one of the Quora questions that you did in Quora. Would the British have never been able to colonize the Americas without the help of the Native Americans? <laughs> well, uh, well, first of all, it wasn't just British. I mean, exactly. There was, there was Dutch. There, yeah. there, there were French. There were Spanish in the South. I mean, there are all these these different countries. They're jockeying for position. They were all mm-hmm. competitors. They were competitors for trade. They were competitors politically. So there are all these different groups, sort of you know, eyeing each other and trying to get a foothold in this new continent. Yeah. The Dutch actually, the Dutch actually blew it. They, they hmm. could have really, you know, done something, but they, they were sort of, uh, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, they weren't committed to the cause. And hmm. because of that, the English just rolled over them. And huh. so then the English took, took over and we're speaking English now instead of Dutch yeah. or, or, or German or French or Spanish. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so yeah, they had to learn how to do things um, because this was a new land. And take look at Jamestown, for example. Those people were right on the edge of starvation. I mean, they almost yeah. didn't make it. And the Indians stepped in and said, "Okay, look, here's how you do it. Here's yeah. how you grow corn. Here's yeah. how you catch fish." You know, and the same thing would have happened in, in my area too. Hmm. And because you know they were curious about these strange people these strange beings and if they saw them in need they wanted to help them yeah and they did so um you think the dutch could have won um, won or or pushed pushed them out and kept new york well they they, the people back home in the head offices they weren't really committed to it because they were traders and all they Mm. because they had other places around the world you know where they were yeah uh, they had outposts and they thought of this as an outpost but the people on the ground the people there said you know this is more than an outpost this this ought to be a settlement you know we ought to have settlers and at first they resisted that they said no we don't want settlers we have to have soldiers we have to mm-hmm. feed them it's all this trouble you know we just want trade and it was all in hmm. furs it was all about furs huh. beavers especially beavers beaver hats i mean yeah. beaver cloaks i mean that was the big deal huh. and and they said, no, 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 we don't want a settlement. That's too much trouble. Yeah. And, but the British, the British had a, a different idea. They said, no, we want to claim this. We want to yeah. put people there. And we want to say this is ours because, you know, we can develop this into something down the road. And for, the Dutch didn't see it that way. And they blew it. They, hmm. just, they just weren't prepared. Yeah. And the, 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 English, the English were on all sides of them. The English were in the south and the hmm. English were in the north, in New England. And they just squeezed them out, basically. Hmm. Interesting. Ah, well, sounds like a lot of companies I know, you know, where the one guy just doesn't manage it, and then some other guy has to come in and manage and make it, scale it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Some decisions are good ones, and some decisions are bad ones. And, uh, you know, the Dutch... Well, this you know that's history. Yeah, that, that's what yep. happened. Yeah, and uh, if they had sort of stuck it out and put more resources into it, maybe they could have fought off the British. Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe it would have been the same thing in the end because the British were pretty powerful. 
But the Dutch were also extremely powerful at that time. In yeah, the, in yeah, the, but uh, see, that's um, why it's interesting with Jamestown, uh, the, the Dutch didn't have an event like that, right? So I'm wondering why not, you know? <laughs> Well, when you say event, what, what, what do you mean event? Well, the Jamestown, they almost starved to death. And they, all, they almost left. Didn't right. they leave once and had to come back and try it again? Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been there. I, I, and and yeah. I've, <laughs> I, yeah. I can see kind of what the problems are there on the yeah. James River. Yeah. Um, but the Dutch just didn't commit to it from, hmm. uh, mm -hmm. from, from, a, from a business point of view. And they yeah. were businessmen. They were the top businessmen yeah. in the world at the time. Yeah. And they, just, they, just, they didn't see it. And there yep. were complaints because they had the settlers starting to come and saying, look, we need some stuff. We need some equipment, you know, look, right. send us something. And, and they did, but they sort of did it half-heartedly. They didn't hmm. really go for it. Hmm. Okay. And they had some, and they had some pretty um, sketchy directors or managers who were not, huh. uh, they, they didn't do some, they did some, some poor, they had made some poor decisions. Mm-hmm. So okay, well let's get back to your book. I mean, uh, a lot of rabbit holes here that we could go down, but um, sure. So okay, <laughs> we're so, back. So the book. So the, <laughs> the yeah. I mean the, the the main book, the big book that I have out yeah. now is just came out. I mean, literally as we're speaking, cool. It's launching now. Yeah. And I'm reaching. I've, I've been reaching out to my core audience people, the people who influence the core audience, which are the blogs mm -hmm. and the websites and the newsletters and all of that. And, uh, you know, I'm just ramping it up. And, I, and I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not just going to do, and this, this might be important. Mm -hmm. There is a theory in independent publishing that you need to have a lot of content, which means you need to write a lot of books. And a lot mm -hmm. of people do that. They just keep cranking them out. They want they focus on writing, writing yeah. and writing and launching. Some people do two, three books a year, even more. And yeah. then because the, th the theory is the more things you have out there, the more things will cross sell each other mm. and, you know, okay. and, and, and generate profit. I, I'm not doing that with this. I've, I've sort of taken the opposite tack. I've created uh, what I think is a very unique story, and it is a story. It's, it's yeah. never been written before, in, in, yeah. you know, and, and, and I want to push the sales and marketing of the story as much as I can before mm -hmm. I move on to another book and start all over again. Yeah, well, that's and, a good and, idea. And that's what I'm doing. And yeah. I'm just ramping it up right now. I've got, uh, I've got ads coming out soon. I've just, AMS, Ameri uh, Amazon yeah. Marketing Services, right. is just starting, I think, today. Uh, book pub, book pub, uh, CPM ads should oh, yeah. be starting in the next couple of days. What's your experience with them? Well, this will be my first time of using them. Ah, yeah, and, okay. Um, but I'm, I'm used, I'm used, to, I'm used to dealing with the bidding, the bidding, uh, advertising. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, Any structure. tips there? How, well, <laughs> targeting. <laughs> Yeah. Knowing how to target and keywording mm -hmm. is critical, and that's mm -hmm. what it's all about. And testing, mm -hmm. you really have to test. Mm -hmm. My first AMS ads were were horrible. I mean, they just yeah. did terrible. But yeah. I just pulled them. I just stopped. I said, "Okay, yeah. forget that. Let's try yeah. this." Yeah. So then I changed. I changed my bidding amounts. I changed my keywords, and I kept playing with it. Mm -hmm. And finally, I got to the point, and I I ended up with um, on my eBooks, and the eBooks, by the way paid for themselves i was not in the oh. red i mean I, i'm in the i'm in the black on those things oh nice nice and, with ams ads and in, with ams ads and i'm using nice. sort of the opposite approach of some people i'm using what i call the trickle the trickle down or the, the trickling yeah. effect 
I yeah. use minimum bids, uh -huh. minimum bids, and um, a lot of keywords, mm -hmm. uh, 500 plus plus keywords, and then I just see how it goes. And, Interesting. You know, yeah. the, maybe I don't have a lot of impressions, but it doesn't really matter because you only yeah. pay for the clicks. You don't pay for the yeah. impressions. So you're down like below so, 10 cents per click. I'm at two cents per click. Nice, nice. I but remember that, when Facebook was still new and you could get the bids down to t below 10 cents per click. And uh, yeah. well, those days are over. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I can tell you, I mean, and we'll see, we'll see. I'm starting the AMS ads yeah. low again on this one. I may switch tactics. If, it, if it's not working, I'll just, I'll just, you know, change the bidding. I'll, I'll, I'll increase mm -hmm. the bids and see how it goes and maybe change my daily, my daily limit. Okay. Um, but so far it's, it's, it's worked fine. So you got, um, book bub, uh, click ad, click per paper, click ads, AMS, anything else? Well, Facebook ads would be next. And I uh -huh. used to do a lot of Facebook ads, but I yeah. haven't done them recently. So I have to kind of catch yeah. up to what the latest thinking is on yeah. all that. And what I'd really like to try, mm -hmm. and this is brand new and I haven't done it yet because it's, it just started a little while ago and that's Quora, Quora ads. Ah, the, uh, yeah. You know the yeah. site? Aura. Oh yeah, it's a definitely. wonderful site. Yeah, I love that site. I'm on yeah. it all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm contributing content, which is you know another thing I like to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to you know talk about my book, you know, a little bit, just, yeah. just subtly on there. I've sold books on Quora. I highly recommend it. Look, you know, finding uh -huh. your topic and then you know you're allowed to put a link or two in there. Not too many though. Yeah. I've gotten dinged already. They've sent me uh, friendly reminders to not put too many links. You know. But um, you're allowed yeah. to put one or two in there. And uh, oh, yeah, right. definitely. Well, but now they have advertising, which they didn't have before. And so I'm oh. going to investigate that. Yes. I have no idea if it's good. I'll, I'll go on K-boards and, and yeah. you know, ask some questions. And see what people I'll say see you there, there my friend. <laughs> I, I, um, I heard that Goodreads is going to start doing something like BookBub, too, where you can pay for an email blast. But I'm so mad because it's only available in America or something like that. I, I can't, I can't get, hmm. get it yet. Have you heard about that? No, I don't know about that, but I'll I'll find out about it. Okay, so uh, you you started talking about AMS ads, which I'm really a big fan of, and uh, AMS yeah. and and Facebook. So you got your bids down to two cents per click, huh? Well, that's the average. I've got some up at three and four, but mm -hmm. I don't go over five cents. Um, interesting. Again, interesting. In my, in, in, in my in my particular situation, in my genre, and it depends on the genre. Yeah. I think yeah. in romance, you have to be way oh, you have to be course. way up there. Yeah. So it yeah. just it just depends. It depends on on you know what you're doing and who you are. And um, but I'm looking at my uh, at my AMS uh, dashboard right now, mm -hmm. and yeah. And what are you running? Are you, yeah. Are you just running interest or keyword or product targeting ads? There's three types of ads I'm, on Amazon, right? I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing the sponsored, the uh, the keyword one. Okay. Nothing else. Uh, spon sponsored products. That's what it's called. That's the yeah. only thing I'm doing. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, I, I looked at the others, thought about it, but I heard some, you know, people saying, mm -hmm. eh, I don't know. They were kind of negative, and I, I just mm -hmm. thought, well, I'll just I'll just stick with the simplest thing, and I just mm -hmm. keep adding keywords as they come up. And I'm, you know, over 500. You can go up to a thousand. I'm not even there yeah. yet. Other people are yeah. at a thousand, but but I'm more than halfway there. So and um, right now I'm I'm running ACOS at uh, you know 25 percent. Nice. So I'm yeah. In, I'm in the black. Yeah. Excellent. I got the book from Brian Meeks, uh, the Amazon Ads book. Um, 
I don't, I don't remember the, the title, but I highly recommend it. And it's it's uh, only $9, but it, it's worth it. You know, I mean, I don't see why people complain about $3 to, you know, whatever dollar ebooks when they pay five bucks for a coffee at Starbucks, you know. <laughs> exactly. But um, it's very rich, and um, I, I have some of it in. I've I've got a lot of things in my course too, and uh, um, with for me the interest ads were some of the most profitable. Where you where you just pick an interest, a category, and because those ones are the ones that display your book on Kindles, that big full screen display. Right. And so, but I noticed something which was also in Brian Meek's books is that you, you tend to get a lot of runs. So if you're, you, you know, you make the ad and then you wait and then, and, and it just bites right away. It, it, it just starts selling right away. I've noticed that with me, they either start selling right away in the first day, first, first hundred clicks, and then there's a run and then they stop and, and, there's no point in restarting them. You, you can copy them or duplicate them, but there's no point in restarting them. When the run's over, it's over. And I've noticed that a lot with mine. And uh, so, it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also making a benchmark and doing all of this analysis. So uh, what I've seen, if it, if it doesn't start selling in the first thousand clicks, then I'm I'm thinking uh, I'm going to stop the ads. You know, if I've I don't know if I've spent five dollars or not. I, I don't know yet. I'm I'm making a benchmark first. And um, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, another thing I noticed was that I've I've done that a lot, and I've spent uh, I, I I I have this question that's bothering me. That is, if I if I'm experimenting with Amazon ads, and I've I've run up you know, let's say fifty dollars worth of tries without any sales i know i could have got at least a hundred maybe more uh uh email signups through facebook ads with 50 bucks easily i mean uh hundreds i'll, I'll get at least you know i'll get my uh signups down to a dollar per sign up so right now I'm, I'm in between facebook and uh amazon ads why put five bucks on all of these Amazon ads, when I know even $5, I'll get guaranteed about, you know, at least 10 email subscribers through Facebook ads. Do you have any similar experience? Well, my, um, my email list uh, growth is all, is, is pretty organic and it's just, you know, it's not huge and it's just slowly, you know, but it's there. And I just, I kind of let that just simmer simmer in the background i don't i don't do any big pushes for it i want yeah. it to be more more natural growing right people who are really so i don't advertise for that although you it's you know it's 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 in it wherever i am it's you can you can sign up and you can get onto it right uh, but but the advertising i'm i'm exclusively using for uh, for the books for the books themselves mm-hmm. okay yeah so we'll, well, see, well, we'll see how book Book yeah, that, I mean this. This will be my first, um, and in fact, I'm I'm trading emails with them because I just had a couple of little follow up questions, mm-hmm. and they're real good. They're very, very, very good on getting back, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, like for example, I didn't know if you could do paperbacks and yeah, uh, in addition to uh, to ebooks, and they said, oh yeah, you can you can advertise whatever you want. So so I decided to go for the ebook nice. and the yeah. launch price, the ninety nine cent launch price, mm. and promote and promote that. 
And so that's what I'm going to try. We'll see how it goes. You know, paid advertising is a subject in itself. You know, we could go for hours yes. on that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right. So I'm um, I'm right. very interested in the BookBub ads too because that's what I wanted to try next. So, uh, yeah, and and I'm also my my bread and butter is in children books, and it's really it, it's a totally different world. You know, you just can't put a lead magnet in the front of the book. Hey, download this ebook for free, and the in exchange for an email. Well, kids don't have email, you know? <laughs> so I'm always looking for, for other ways right. to get, you know, grow my list and, and, and uh, promote my children's book. Totally different animal, you know? So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you were a marketing director for a while? Well, I ran a marketing agency, uh, like wow. an ad agency in Los Angeles yeah. for a while. And then I was a marketing consultant for a very large corporation, but I mean, a one of 350,000 people. So wow. <laughs> I, I wasn't like the marketing director, but I, you know, I, I just, I just, I know how it works and it's just, yeah. uh, it, it's really common sense. People mm -hmm. are so scared of marketing and people like, Oh my God, they throw up their hands. It's, you know, yeah, to but me, they, it's a, yeah. it, it's a creative challenge. Mm -hmm. Just like writing is a creative challenge. Yeah. Marketing is a creative challenge. And I yeah. just treat it as another project as just well, another creative thing to do. Well, see this, they think there's a, the, I think it's the common myth that there's a silver bullet somewhere. So if you were a marketing director, you can just flip a switch and sell a thousand books, right? <laughs> yeah no it takes work <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the thing everybody wants the shortcut you know and uh, there's yeah. there's right. no silver bullet so um nope. let um let's get back to the indians and manhattan for a while and then we'll get back to your book because it's so darned interesting <laughs> yeah i read your first book and sure. uh like i said i wasn't a fan of historical fiction until i read your book so um has manhattan always been the city center of new york uh, yes, because that's where it started. It oh. literally started at the lower tip of Manhattan. There was no city. I mean, there was just, uh, you know, woods and, yeah. uh, and, and isolated, um, bands and they're called bands. Uh -huh. you know, and uh, it's, it's hard to explain this, but there's the, people think about tribes. Tribe is sort of the big, the big organizational structure, but beneath tribes is bands. And these are smaller <laughs> groups, of, yeah. you know, could yeah. 20 people could be 100 people and on manhattan island there were three of those mm -hmm. uh and the ones at the bottom were called the manahates or the or the manahates or however you want to pronounce it mm -hmm. and those are the people i write about and those were algonquin speaking um lenape people mm -hmm. who spoke a certain dialect of algonquin mm -hmm. called muncie uh -huh. And uh, that's that's the group I'm I'm specifically focused on, and they just happened to be the ones that were living there and and hanging out there. They didn't actually live there year round. They lived there like two thirds of the year, and then they would move off the island in the in the winter and sort of hide out a little bit. <laughs> but those are the pe that's that those are the people who were just were there when hmm. here comes Henry Hudson sailing up, you <laughs> know, up the har up the harbor, and it's like, oh my gosh, who, who what's this? I mean, they'd, they'd never seen a ship like this. Oh, they didn't know crazy, what they like were aliens, at. huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's this there's this great movie um, with Colin Farrell called The New World, oh. and it's a movie about uh, Jamestown, and it's it's a lot of it is from the Native American point of view, 
And it shows Pocahontas herself standing there on the bank and looking and thinking, what is this? Who are the, who is this coming up the river yeah. here? Yeah. It's that feeling, that awestruck feeling like, oh my gosh, our whole world is changing. What is this all about? And, and, the, mm-hmm. and the subsequent conflict of, of peoples and different ideas and the clashing and the con- yeah. you know, all of this stuff. What, well, okay. Then. So you 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 scratched that one. What about what do you think about that movie? Was it accurate? Is it worth watching? Oh, it's it's very uh, it's kind of beautiful. The cinematography is really mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it has an ambiance. It has a feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I you're like. a, you're a real expert. It, it must have must have like got under your skin that they got this wrong and that wrong or. Well, you know, <laughs> there's so much wrong about the Pocahontas story anyway in Captain John Smith. And by the way, there's, there's a connection to, to my story. It oh. turns out that Captain John Smith wrote letters to a lot of people. He was a real self-promoter saying, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I did this and I did that. He wrote to Henry Hudson and said, mm-hmm. hey, you might want to check out this area around the 40th parallel Hmm. That might be a place you might want to look at for your, hmm. you know, your short water route to the Indies. Huh. And so and nobody knows why Hudson, Hudson was supposed to go over Russia to get to the Indies. That was his assignment that, uh-huh. you know, that he, the people in Amsterdam said, okay, we want you to go and try this route now because we haven't figured out any other way to get over there, any easy <laughs> way other than what the Portuguese already had around Africa. But he said, you know, he ran into ice and cold, and he said, screw this. I, I'm going to go the other way. And no one knows exactly why he did it, but I, I, you know, in the book, I create some reasons of why he did it. Aha, uh-huh, cool. And I believe one of the reasons is that he got a little tip from Captain John Smith that he should check out this area that now we now call uh, New York and uh, see what see where that goes. Interesting. So, so, what what else did they get wrong in the movie, or was that what was the was that in the movie? No, that wasn't in the movie. No, okay. was, that was that movie. The New World was mm-hmm. only about Jamestown and Pocahontas and, okay. and all of that stuff. And okay. I don't really get into that. you know. It's just sort of a little sidelight that okay. um, that there's a connection uh-huh. uh, to my story, which is further up the coast. You know, from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Manahata is it means island of many hills. That's one of the that's one of the um, the definitions. Uh-huh. Uh, other people call it the island of inebriation Ooh. because of some way they they they. I mean, they're kind of some crazy ideas. I like the mm-hmm. definition, and and many of the other historians say that that's the one. Let's let's go with that one. Island of many hills. And sure enough, it had a lot of hills. A lot of mm-hmm. them have been flattened now over the flattened down and filled in. You know, the ups and downs mm-hmm. have been sort of leveled. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the way I like to call it. And that's the way a lot of other people uh, refer okay. to it also. And we're back with Harold Johnson launching his new book. And back to the question. New York's yeah. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say because a lot of you know, people call it 1609. It's really it's New York 1609. That is the title. Okay. Even though even though 1609 is the giant thing on the cover, and who knows down the road it may in other media it may end up being 1609. But right now the book is called New York 1609. By the way, the reason I came up with that, uh-huh. I love I love numbers and titles. You know, uh-huh. a 19. 19- 
4, 2001, Fahrenheit 451. I mean, I just love that kind of stuff. And so I thought I would really play up the date because I think the date mm. is important. And then I just added the New York to so that you know, mm -hmm. you know, basically you know what it's about just yeah. in the title. Yeah. It sums well, it all up. The title sums up the whole thing. Yeah. There's been some, I don't know, studies, but uh, some of the big wigs in internet uh, marketing say that numbers in titles or headlines are very good in blog posts and YouTube titles and stuff. Let's let's see if it works for the book, huh? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go along with that. <laughs> yeah. So what do you love about indie publishing? Because you were a published author, so this is interesting. Right. Yeah, no, I, I've been, you know, I come from the traditional publishing side, so I know, I know about that. Mm -hmm. And I love indie publishing. I mean, yeah. I just think it's, it's fantastic. And, for, you know, for se several reasons, many of which are obvious. For me, I guess number one is control of the process. I'm in control. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I argued with the marketing department of my other, you know, large publisher about, mm -hmm. well, why don't you do this? And why don't we do this? And no, 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 we're not going to, no, we don't have the money. No, we can't mm -hmm. do that. You know, no, you can't change that. No. I mean, it would take a year or two to make a change, like a type, like a typo or something. A year know? or two? Now, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever Jeez. it is. Now I'm in control and mm -hmm. the speed of, so number one is control of the whole mm -hmm. thing. Two is the speed of changes and revisions if mm -hmm. i ch i could change my book description you know right now and in you know in uh, 30 minutes an hour two hours whatever it, it, it's done i can yeah. change the back cover i can change the cover i can change you know uh, you know whatever i want yeah. i love that yeah. the, the ability to change things quickly mm. um, and how much cut did I, what sorry go ahead yeah and the i guess related to that number three i guess would be the ability to react, to react to what's mm. happening either in the world, in the market, yeah. whether may, maybe Amazon changes something, maybe Facebook changes some guideline. Yeah. Well, okay, you roll with the punches. Mm. If you're with a, if, you know, when I was with, and what, what I hear from other people is, they, traditional publishing is very slow to react to anything. Hmm. And uh, with indie publishing, yeah. you can do it, and you can do it quickly, and uh, effectively, it's yeah, yes, yeah. I've never been traditionally published, so I just love to hear it. <laughs> and you know, I'm not. It's not a goal. So, uh, right. so what? What um, kind of a cut did you get as an author, published author? Uh, <laughs> publishing. Uh, I, my deal was structured on public. What's called publishers net, mm -hmm. which means what you get after they pay for all their stuff and all their expenses. And that ended up being, and I'm talking about books that were $39.95. Mm -hmm. List price, $39.95. Yeah. Uh, I, I got 5%. So I got two bucks out of that. That's so terrible. 5%, 5%. And I was getting, and that's based on a 12% of publisher's net. And that's pretty good. A lot of people huh. only got 10%, but I, I was ratcheting up to 12. Wow. And, uh, you know, now that I think about that, I'm thinking, well, I don't like that deal. I, yeah. I want a better deal. I want a, I want a better deal than that. Yeah. I, I want 70%. Oh, yeah. well, what do you know? Now I can get 70%. Could you republish uh, those books? Um, they're too old in terms of content because uh -huh. they were, they were, they're uh, sort of technological and the technology mm. changes yeah. so fast. It's just not worth it. No, okay. I'd rather be, in, I'd rather be doing what yeah. I'm doing. 
Yeah. So uh, I can't resist. Um, there's this industry standard about 300 DPI, and I heard that's not true anymore. Actually, 200 DPI is good enough to print uh, photos and stuff. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. You, you broke up a little bit. You're asking me about the DPI? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. 300 DPI <laughs> is the industry standard, and I heard that's a myth. It's really all you need is 200 DPI. Well, you're talking about print books now or, or, or digital? Yeah, which, to print which? photos, uh, uh, good enough. You know, when you when you, they always say you have to have three hundred DPI to print something uh, decently. Yeah, that that is the guideline, and I and I know the history of where that came from, and yeah. and I've done my own testing because you know I've, mm -hmm. I've, I was an art a print art director and yeah. designer for 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 years and years and years, and I know you can get away with less than that, but. But the industry people will sometimes they, they stick with it and they uh -huh. they tell you they'll, they'll reject the job sometimes huh. if it isn't. But the only thing that matters with imagery in books is mm -hmm. pixel count. All okay. that's all that matters is pixels. Don't worry about seventy-two or three hundred or two hundred. It's pixel dimensions. If you have the pixel dimensions, you're right. set. And on okay. an ebook, you need something like I've used, for example. 15, uh, 1563 by 2500. That right. is a perfect, perfect ebook pixel dimension cover right there. Okay. And so just look at your pixel count and don't worry yeah. about that other stuff. Yeah, when you upload your cover to Amazon, I think they say a minimum of 1400 pixels on one side. So. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it was, well. but I, I know that my covers went through instantly and perfectly i've never had a yeah. problem okay so that's good because a lot of people ask well what are dpi how many dpi is that many pixels do you don't i mean you yeah. don't need to you, right you don't need to worry about the dpi just worry about pixels you, you okay. have to have the pixels the pixel count okay and um and then the rest falls into place if you have photoshop right. you can just quickly see what it would be at 300 what it would be yeah. at 200 what it would be at 72 right i mean yeah yeah, I, you, I use Photoshop for okay. everything. Yeah, right. So for all the I'm techies. Ask, I'm, I'm a whiz at Photoshop. Yeah, it's, I loved it until they became a subscription service, right? Right, but I use an older version. So ah, okay. <laughs> okay, so you're still using the software. Uh-huh. Yeah, because they, they're an online service now, right? You can't even buy the software anymore, can you? That's that's correct. Uh, that's but when I, if you yeah. have if if you have a fairly recent one right before they made that change, you're still good. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's now at some point I, I'll have to as I as my OS changes and I can't yep. keep up with it. They'll get you. They'll get me, and that's, you know, there you go. <laughs> okay, that's a really good tip too because I always get the pixels and the DPI, and then there's also uh, there's some so many different ones. There's pixels and pics and, and points. There's points, pixels. DPI and well, there's dots. also there's there's LPI. I mean, don't yeah. forget, I'm I'm one of the world experts in digital imaging. I mean, exactly. I know all about this stuff. Yeah. So, but I'm I'm not here to talk about that. So. No, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, no, you answered my question. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh -huh. So, okay. So, what are your top three, four, or five tips for historic fiction authors? Historical fiction. Yeah. Okay. Three tips. Here we go. Um, tip number one is. Do your research. Read, 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 read mm -hmm. in the subject matter, in the subgenre. If you're doing the if you're doing a subgenre, and and that means both nonfiction and fiction. Uh -huh. You need to get the you need to get the history right, and those typically are 
nonfiction history books. So you definitely read all of those. Yeah. But then you should also read anything comparable in fiction so you get a feel for the, the, the flow of the words, the sentence length, the, the, the length of the scenes, you know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah. You get a sense of it because you, you don't want to be totally out of the box. You got to be kind of a little bit in the box so the people, mm -hmm. because people have ex expectations in, in, you know, their, their genre expectations. Every genre has expectations and, you know, you can, you can go against the grain, but, you know, you might want to, especially if you're starting out, be part of the group rather than be outside of the group. Yeah. So that's one is okay. read, read, read. Fiction yeah. and nonfiction. And don't start your uh, own genre. Yeah. Some people, you know, the big guns, they can start their own genre, but not us. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ken, Ken Follett is a perfect example. He yeah. wanted to write thr thrillers mm -hmm. and his agent said, eh, nobody knows who you are. You know what? No, I'm sorry. I, I got it wrong. He wanted to write historical fiction. Yeah. And his agent said, you know, no one's going to buy that stuff. Nobody knows who you are. You know, <laughs> why don't you write? Why don't you write some thrillers? And, <laughs> and yeah. so he did. Yeah. And he became world famous. And then he said, "Now I want to write uh, historical fiction." His agent said, "Okay, well, you've made me enough money. Go exactly. ahead and write your yeah. book." And he wrote Pillars of the Earth. And Pillars of the Earth was is his most popular book of all yeah. time. Awesome. Which is a th yeah. it's a thousand page book. And get this: what Pillars of the Earth? You think Pillars of the Earth would would be like a thousand year? journey kind of like a james michener you know with uh the glaciers or something like that yeah. it's a 35 year time span 35 <laughs> years okay and it turns out my book right now new york 1609 is exactly 35 years it's oh, cool. a single generational saga wow and and how about that yeah that's that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah reverse engineering <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah. Okay, your uh, number two so tip. tip. So number number two tip is come up with a concept spark, something that really gets you going, something that's intriguing and interesting, and and kind of that you can latch onto as a concept, even if it's not, even if it's not the final thing, and it's not the premise. The premise is actually a different thing. The concept is the underpinning, the landscape of what your story is about. Mm -hmm. uh, in my case. Uh, in my case, it, it, to me, right away, I came up with, before I even had all the details, I came up with, welcome to Manhattan, 1609. That was mm -hmm. that just sort of popped, in, popped into my head, and I wrote that down. So that mm -hmm. was my spark to get going. It's now evolved into welcome to New York City, 1969, and other, mm -hmm. other variations of that. Um, so okay. have, this, have this conceptual mm -hmm. idea that you put it down, write it down, you know, put it on, put it on a post-it and stick it up on your monitor or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and work from that. And the concept uh, is not the premise. No, the premise has to include the protagonist and what mm -hmm. actually happens. Okay. Uh, in, in my case, can I just read you my premise? Yes, of course. Here's the premise. Mm -hmm. A resourceful native American confronts Dutch and English explorers, traders, and settlers at the 17th century birth of New York City and the island at its heart, Manhattan. Hmm. That's my that's my premise. It's some that's the whole story right there. Okay. One cent one sentence. Hmm. So it's different than yeah. you know yeah, of course. Hey, you know, welcome to welcome to New hmm. York. You know, yeah. it's a, it's a different kind of, it's a different kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, how about another one? Number three. Uh, okay. Um, how about this? 
come up with something unique. Okay. Come up with a twist on in in your subject matter because you, you know the chances are you're not going to be like me and be the only one to have written a story about whatever it is. I mean, if right. if, if it is true that you're the only one, great, mm -hmm. run with it. But if you haven't, come up with a different look at it. Mm -hmm. If it's about if it's about uh, you know Pompeii, come up with a different take on it. You know, mm -hmm. have different different types of characters. Uh, yeah. You know, the book, the book Pompeii has already has already been written by Robert Harris, but you can come up with a different version of it. So right. be unique, be unique okay. in some way with the story, even if the subject or the landscape or the topic is is well known. If it's World War II, I mean, how many books are there on World War II? Well, yeah. come up with a different version. Come yeah. up with your own. Your yeah, own there's idea. a lot of those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Those are th three really good tips. And man, Harold, the more I talk to you, the more questions I get. So <laughs> if, if you were in the marketing <laughs> world, then you know a lot about copywriting and, and making the description in your Amazon page, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so are you... A, I've, I've, re I've, revi I've revised that thing a hundred times already. Uh -huh. I, keep, I keep revising. That's, that's, and, that, and that's what you can do. You mm -hmm. go into Author Central on Amazon mm -hmm. and you, do, you just click on the yeah. product description button and yeah. you just update that sucker. And, you know, literally... Uh, an hour later, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, because I just finished the book by Brian Meeks, and he has a whole chapter dedicated to the copy in that description. And then there's uh, Brian Cohen. I don't know if you know about him. He's uh, also an independent yep. author. And uh, uh, so is it true that that's a direct uh, – you see that directly in your sales? The better the copy, the more the sales. Well, that's that, that is the theory, and I think it's true. I, okay. I mean, I think so. I yeah. mean, I you know, this book, this particular mm. book, has only been out a week, so mm. <laughs> it's okay. hard to yeah, it's hard to judge. But okay. uh, but I believe that's right. Where so, do yes, you this, yeah? Where do you go for go your copywriting? You just think of it, or you've got a template. Well, it's me. I mean, yeah, I, okay. because I have a background in marketing. Exactly. And I, yeah. I know how to okay. do you know, basic journalistic theory and who, what, where, when, and why, and how. Okay. I know all that stuff. And I can quickly look up what other people are doing and get mm -hmm. online, get other examples. Mm -hmm. so there's tons of tons yeah. of ways to look yeah. at what, how other people are doing that sort of thing. Okay. And then and I just I, I tweak I tweak it for my for my own purpose. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, how long is your book on sale? Well, like I said, a week. One um, week. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think I'm on day, I have a day by day, you know, mm -hmm. what I'm doing. I think I'm on day eight now, or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and it's, you know, it, it, it's funny, funny. It's, it's selling, it's not selling huge mm -hmm. numbers, but mm -hmm. that's fine because most of my things haven't happened yet. Yeah. I haven't started. The, I really haven't started the ads yet. Most okay. of the people that are going to be interviewing me, you're the first one, really. Oh, oh, thank you. All <laughs> and, right. Uh, yeah, ah, and, but all the others are are in the queue, or I'm working on mm -hmm. it, or I'm pitching them, or mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff's going to happen, you know, days, weeks, months from now. And like I said, I have the long view. I mean, I, mm -hmm. all this is going to build and build and build, and that's mm -hmm. fine with me. That's, okay, that's that's my, that's my plan. Okay, everyone, you got one more week to get Harold's book. So, Harold, it is it, it yeah. is it is right now. I have a promotional price on the ebook version. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it's five hundred seventy-eight pages, uh, print oh, length. Wow! Uh, but it, it's ninety-nine cents, and yeah. up 
you know, I don't know how long I'm going to go with it. And, and someday okay. I'm going to just move it up to its normal price, which will be four ninety nine, five ninety nine, something like that, uh, right for, the, for the for uh, the for the the digital version for the ebook, the Kindle version. Okay. And, then, and there's a paperback, but the paperback is obviously priced higher because it's, mm -hmm. because it's you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's Excellent. So, um, where where can the readers reach you? You have a website. Yep, it's my name. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna put a link. Probably. Of course, of course. Yeah. But it's, okay. it's my name, HaroldJohnson.com. Awesome. With, with and an the book is with it with a German spelling, and my first name is Harald. German way. Yeah. Harald. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no O's. Okay. That's the tip off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what was your what was your what was your question there about uh, uh, the book sorry. is. Ah, New York 1609. And it's on sale now. So everybody right go now. get it. Right now. Yeah. And it's 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 Amazon exclusive right now. I'm not going okay. wide with it just yet. Okay. And I'm in I mean and it's exclusive, which means it's also in KU and KOLL. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's you know, as, as you and your as your audience knows, it's a ninety day exclusive deal. And I'm I'm starting off that way and we'll see. Awesome, I may Harold. go wide with it. I may not. We'll, we'll play it by ear. Ausgezeichnet, mein Freund. Oh, Ausgezeichnet. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. Cool. <laughs> uh, let's keep it. We'll keep it on English for the viewers. We'll be nice to them, huh? Okay. All well, right. Harold, you know what? We have to do a follow-up someday because you've got such a rich background, and I, I would just like to do a deep dive into marketing and pay-per-click ads. I want to. I want to know how your book bub ads worked out for you. And uh, so I want to reserve you for a follow-up podcast. You got it. You All got right. It. <laughs> no Thanks problem. again, Harold. Everybody, right, go out his, get, everybody go out and get his book, 1609. Yeah. Read, read, go out and find out what the hidden story is behind the birth of the, the largest city in the United States and the first mega city of the world. Yeah, awesome. Book. Cool. Go find out about it. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you. Okay, and cut. Thank you very much, my friend.